T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2... Time to finish our countdown that answers the question, what were the top 10 science stories of 2020? Today, we'll discuss the number two and number one entries on our list of the most important, exciting, and amazing stories from the world of science last year. I'm your host, Eric, and here's the final part of my conversation about our countdown with Sarah from our current science and technology team. Our number two story is protein folding, which is something that is super important, but one of the biggest unknowns in terms of biology and something that's one of the most useful things we could know. We had a really great story this year that we put really high on our list because of how important it was. And it turns out that It has to do with artificial intelligence being able to predict how a protein's structure will turn out just based on its composition. Yeah, so proteins are basically what does stuff in your body. Proteins are made up of the building blocks of life, and they're responsible for most of our cellular functioning. So basically, anytime something is getting done in your body, it's probably a protein that is carrying the information for how to do that. And proteins are really, really complicated in structure. And the way in which they're complicated is sort of the same way that if you were to take like 30 feet of string and then ball it up in your hands and then shuck it at the ground and then try to describe the structure of that tangled ball of string. That's kind of what protein structure is like. But the structure, the shape of the protein, its three-dimensional shape is crucial to how it works. So the shape of the protein determines how the protein acts. And we've known about this for decades. We've known that Proteins have very complicated shapes and that being able to predict what shape a protein needs to be in and how it's folded and how this sort of complex arrangement of amino acids fits together in three-dimensional space, we knew that that was very important to understand in order to find a new protein, predict new proteins, make medicines that make use of these proteins, anything about it. Basically, like a huge part of understanding what proteins are and how they work comes from their structure, which is incredibly complicated. I kind of, when I was looking up information about the story, I was like, okay, so we don't know the structure of proteins, but we do know some of them. So it turns out it's just really, really expensive and time consuming to get a structure of a protein. It takes really advanced equipment. And so we can't do it to all of them because it's not like there's only 200 different kinds of proteins that exist. It's like 200 million. So it's not something where we're just going to fill out a catalog and then we have all the information and now we know all about proteins. This is a huge problem that's going to take more to solve than even if every lab in the country was cranking out protein structures with x-ray crystallography as fast as they could, we wouldn't make a dent in it in our lifetimes. And that is sort of exactly the problem is that proteins are infinitely variable. And so pretty quickly, as you said, there are some proteins whose structures we know, and it's through really complex imaging with like x-rays and crystals and shining from multiple angles. And so beginning in the mid nineties at the university of Maryland, they had this, they don't call it a competition. (laughs) They call it an experiment involving many, many groups all working toward the same goal and being ranked on how well they achieved that goal. Sounds like a competition to me, but hey man, I'm not a biochemist. Y'all do your thing. So this this contest, I mean not contest, from the mid-90s 
it was about computing at this point because it really is, you know, how do you predict the structure? Well, a lot of math. And what do we use to do a lot of math? Computers. But this is extremely complex math. Yeah, I liked the thing that I read was that once computers became a thing and we use them to do things like go to the moon in the 60s, it was like, okay, well, then let's use them to predict how proteins will fold. And they tried to do it in the 80s. And it was like, nope, not going to (laughs) work. Yeah. And since the 90s, molecular biologists have convened to basically see, you know, where's the state of this science? So it's been over 25 years Google has an artificial intelligence program called DeepMind that has made a lot of strides in machine learning and in artificial intelligence. And last year it did pretty well. It did really, really well with this protein folding and a lot of people are pretty excited. But then in 2020, I mean, I guess I'll just say what the founder of this competition said, which was a lot of people might leave the field after this because the problem seems kind of solved. So that's pretty astonishing. This whole complicated problem we were just talking about, well, through the use of artificial intelligence, Google's DeepMind has now been able to be over 90% accurate at predicting the structure of even some incredibly complex proteins. Yeah, after this year, the protein folding problem kind of isn't a problem that much anymore. It's basically solved, which is not something you really hear people seeing very often. And that is why this is such a huge story. I mean, it's our number two. Honestly, any other year, it would have been pretty hard to have anything else be number one because Google's DeepMind has now proven that the ability to predict the structure of proteins, that's going to bust wide open so many different fields from you know medical research, genetic research, making new treatments, anything like that. Even just understanding there are some proteins in the human body that we don't know what they do. We don't understand their purpose or we don't understand exactly how they work. And so having now the tools to have a much more robust understanding of how these structures work, I mean, we kind of just, we might be done. (laughs) Our number one story for 2020 is pretty obvious. It's the thing that affected every single person in the world for 75% of the year. It's COVID-19. And from the very beginning of the coronavirus emerging from the stories we started reading in January, February to everything shutting down in March and staying shut down for weeks and then following along with all the developments over the year, kind of just in general, number one was the coronavirus. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's so much to talk about. But being that this is the top 10 science stories of the year, we thought that it would be really important to kind of just emphasize how remarkable it is that we are where we currently are right now with this virus. And I think that maybe the easiest way to look at this is through the lens of the vaccine. Because previously to this year, the fastest a vaccine had ever been developed was the mumps vaccine back in the late 60s, which took four years to develop. Over those four years, they worked on development. They had to have clinical trials. They did all the same things. Typical vaccine development timelines are more like 10 to 15 years. The mumps vaccine was thought of as pretty fast that they got this out, but the coronavirus is a pandemic. It's a novel virus. That means that it is a virus that has not infected humans before. We have never seen this exact virus, and it is obviously a devastating strain. It wasn't really known until 
December as like a pneumonia-like, flu-like disease that was spreading quite quickly. However, they were able to take this virus, which again, totally new, incredibly quickly, they were able to sequence this entire genome. And then what those scientists in China did is they published that genome. They made it widely available everywhere. And so then every, and I do mean every, (laughs) every company that works with vaccine research and development immediately took that and started going for it. What ended up being Moderna's vaccine, two days, two days after receiving the genetic sequence, they had the basics of their vaccine put together. Yeah, I mean, thinking about what it takes to get a vaccine to be widely available. When we say vaccines take years, it's not necessarily years in the lab to figure out how to make it. It's years to do enough experiments to show that it's safe. And so usually what's called clinical trials, we give the vaccine to volunteers who we monitor over the course of months and see what kind of reactions they have, whether they get infected by the disease they're supposed to have immunity against, and then take all that data and say this vaccine is effective at preventing these people from getting infected, and it didn't result in side effects to a very high degree. And so being able to have that vaccine turned around that quickly, but also then just put into the clinical trials with thousands of people and have that approval process go through in less than a year. I mean, we heard a lot of, oh, it will take at least a year, a year and a half for a vaccine. And so a lot of people latched onto that one year and said, oh, well, by March next year, we'll have the vaccine. And a lot of what we did throughout 2020 was kind of backpedaling on that and saying, well, that's as fast as we possibly could, but we've never done it before. And don't expect it to come that quickly. Don't be surprised if it takes longer. And then by December, it was rolling out and the first healthcare workers in the country were getting vaccinated. It's incredible. Before the end of 2020, absolutely mind-blowing. Now, I do want to sort of lay out a little bit of why these vaccines were able to be developed so quickly. And it's really, really well-known. It's not a mystery. It's not like, how did these companies get this so quickly? And it's because of two major factors. One is that there were way more volunteers than there usually are for the clinical trial of a vaccine. And that is hugely important. Another reason is that this is a totally new type of vaccine. Most of the time when we think of vaccines, people think like, oh, aren't I getting a dead version of it or a weakened version? Those are two different forms of vaccines receiving either an inactivated version of the infective agent or receiving a weakened version of it. Those are two sort of ways. Yeah, to train your immune system to recognize and then if the actual virus showed up to be able to respond to it. Right. But the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines are a new class of vaccine known as an mRNA vaccine. So that is using genetic material RNA that is sort of like DNA. It's only one strand instead of two strands. It's used within our cells as a way to sort of send messages and encode genetic information. And so Instead of these vaccines containing the specific virus that causes COVID-19, instead of taking that virus and weakening it or mutating it to make it easier to fight, what they did is they used RNA to teach your cells how to recognize the outside of the coronavirus. So the spike protein on the outside of the coronavirus 
And that's amazing. The reason it's so difficult is because it requires a really good understanding of like molecular biology to get the RNA to survive in the body. It has to be stored at really cold temperatures and transported at really cold temperatures. So this is a new class of vaccine. And even though these are the first mRNA vaccines to be used ever, these companies have been working on developing and perfecting them for years, much longer than we've been dealing with the pandemic. So because this work was being done on improving vaccines in general, when the pandemic hit, we had a huge head start. And here we are sitting here one year later with a vaccine. And what we can hope to see in the next couple months is that it rolls out and really starts to bring an end to this pandemic. And then thinking about it, big picture, the COVID vaccine development might be the number one story of the decade or this part of the century even. I mean, this is really impressive and huge and makes me feel so happy that we have science. Although there are a lot of things about this virus that are still difficult, although it's shown us a lot of the broken parts of our society that we need to fix and that we need to take care of. I also think that the development of this vaccine, I agree with you, Eric, it's really hard to think of any more significant scientific event taking place. This is the number one science story of 2020, and we'll see how long it continues to be the biggest science story ever. All right, Sarah, thanks so much for helping me count down from 10 all the way to our number one story of the year. Thanks, Eric. Happy New Year. For more about the science behind the vaccines, visit mos.org slash coronavirus. Until next time, keep asking questions.